A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome. This is Unheard. I'm Freddie Sayers. Today, we thought we would dive into the data around the South African Omicron variant of COVID. And to help us do that, we have someone called Peter Stryker joining us from South Africa. Hi, Peter. Hi, Freddie. So you are a PhD in engineering. You're a research associate at the Institute for the Future of Knowledge at the University of Johannesburg. And most importantly for this conversation, you have been paying close attention to the numbers around the Omicron variant coming out of the Gauteng province of South Africa and now moving around. And I've been following the charts you've been putting on social media, and I'd love to just go through some of them to share with our audience. Sure. So let's start with number one, which is Gauteng itself. On this first chart, I show the delta wave in, in light gray, and it's just shown for comparative purposes. It's, it's not used to determine when Omicron is going to peak. And you can see with this Omicron wave, it goes up a lot more faster. And uh, I use a growth rate analysis to determine when a wave peaks, and that can normally tell you when a wave is going to peak one week or sometimes even three weeks ahead. So basically a wave goes through an ex exponential phase where the growth per day is constant. For example, in this case, 30% a day. Um, and then at a certain point, it starts to slow down consistently. So the one day it grows at 30% a day, the next day at 28 and then 26. And so it goes down consistently. And using that trend, you can then get a reasonably good estimate when things are going to going to peak. One of the million dollar questions here, which affects the whole world, because everyone is now worried about the Omicron variant. Is it peaking in Gauteng? Yes. So Omicron started first in uh, uh, a part called Tswane, a town called Tswane, uh, which is seven days ahead of the rest of Gauteng. Now, Tswane has definitely peaked already. And uh, its uh, its highest uh, three or oh, seven day average to date is still on the fourth of December. Now that is several days ago, or already. How many people are there in that town, in that district? Let's try and dig into that because the key thing is yes. the presumption in a lot of these models and a lot of the 
even governments are, are relying on this presumption that you look at the doubling rate at the early stage yes. of the outbreak and you presume that's just going to carry on and on. So yeah. why did that not carry on and on in Swane? What percentage of the population in, do you estimate actually got infected in that part of South Africa? I would say currently in Gauteng, it is around 8 to 10% that have been infected already. So if it, if it peaks now, which I believe is highly likely, you know, it's going to get to a bit more than 20%. Um, I find it strange that people are surprised when that happens because every single wave in every single country has reached saturation at levels much lower than than 30% despite restrictions. So that's more likely to be the norm, you know. And the, the people base their expectation of 70% or 80% will, uh, will get infected based on a, on a mathematical model. Uh, but, but what, we don't what see possible that explanation reality. could there be for it slowing down and reaching a peak at much lower levels than that, whether it's 10% or much, 20%? At much lower levels. So I'm going to contrast the SIR model to what really happens in reality. In the SIR model, it assumes pan mixing. So everyone mixes with everyone. It also assumes binary susceptibility. That means you're either susceptible or you're not. It means everyone is equally infectious when they're sick. In reality, none of that is true. You know, people socialize in clusters or live in clusters. Uh, susceptibility lies on a wide spectrum. You know, some people are immunocompromised. Others have much stronger immune systems. So some people catch the virus a lot easier than others. And then in terms of transmission from an infected person that also lies on a wide spectrum. Some people are, if they're immunocompromised, they're much more likely to infect other people. And uh, children are less likely to infect other people. All these factors result in a much lower herd immunity threshold compared to what the model predicts. So how, how do we kind of extrapolate this first of all to within South Africa then if we've had this big explosion of cases in a part of Hauteng that may or may not be slowing it looks like it is we should now expect similar um, explosive rises in cases in other provinces and other parts of the country as it spreads and you would then expect them to then slow so overall South Africa is still at the beginning of a very steep rise in Omicron Yes, but we must remember 15 million of the 16 million live in Gauteng. So Gauteng uh, has a significant part of the South African population. But yes, the pattern we see in Gauteng, we can expect to see in other parts of, of the country. So we've talked about cases, which is already controversial for lots of mm. reasons. People don't like mm. talking about cases because are they actually symptomatic? Are they actually ill? Have they just tested positive? All of that remains controversial as it has been for two years. But let's look at hospitalizations because that at least is concrete or more concrete. What are you seeing there? Mm. If we look at your next chart, what are you seeing in terms of how these cases are translating into sick people in hospital? This is the total number of people in hospital at any point in, in time. So although the daily admissions were similar to Delta, quite high, and the growth rate was also much higher than with, with Delta, because the average stay was much shorter, you know, it's down from 8.5 days to 2.8 days, the hospitals weren't filling up as much 
as, uh, as Delta. So you can see the total hospital numbers are well below Delta. And again, uh, for, for this, I show where the period where we expect the peak to happen. Now, for hospital numbers, I, uh, I have a lag, you know, so this period I'm showing here is uh, significantly later than the peak period, expected peak period I showed for, for cases. But still, you know, if you if it's going to peak in that at that point, it can't get much higher, you know. And already uh, I, I have a projection chart as well, which shows that in terms of my expectation, uh, hospitals are running below that. So this chart looks quite conclusive. Um, I don't know whether you've positioned the two uh, lines exactly right. I mean, obviously, if you shunted the gray line over to the right, the, the two lines would look much more similar. What, why do you think it is that so many analysts who are enjoying so much airtime and, and dominance, as well as the government of the United Kingdom, as well as other governments around Europe, don't feel confident in saying that hospitalizations will be less per case with the Omicron wave than they were with Delta, because no one seems to want to say that. How can it be that you're so sure when so many people are so uncertain? I think they look at the initial exponential growth rate, and because that's so much higher than for, for Delta, uh, you know, that's what scares them. But then they make the mistake to project that well into the future, uh, well be beyond uh, even plausible peak date. And, and only then do you get to, to high numbers. So yes, if Omicron infects 80% of the population, you, you will have a similar situation to Delta if Delta got only to 20%. But there's no way that it will get to 70 or 80%. And the reason why I'm very confident about that is the, the growth rate has slowed down consistently for some time now. So we know cases aren't rising anymore in Gauteng. As I've stated, it has in all likelihood peaked already, but even if it hasn't, it's going nowhere fast, <laughs> you know. The objections to what you've just said, as I understand, are first of all, that there is this complication about reporting of data, which is still not resolved, and we may still get cases retrospectively added within the coming week that will make uh, the accounting data look very different. And second of all, that there's a peak threshold of numbers of tests available. So essentially, yes. it's going to flatten out because they can't, they can't do any more tests. And at that point, we should That's start right. looking at positivity data. How do you respond to those yes, objections? So, so I, I do look at positivity data as well. And the growth has, growth in test positivity rates have, have also slowed down. Um, so, you know, every, I look at all the variables and, you know, you can, you can see the slowdown in multiple variables already. You can start seeing, even start seeing that in the hospital admissions and total hospital beds already. What do you think this means for projecting into the future because every country in the world is currently looking at South Africa mm. trying to work out what's happened there and trying to extrapolate or project what that means for us we've now got in the UK a thriving little Omicron uh, outbreak and it seems to be growing very fast uh, numbers in London are increasing both as a overall numbers but also a, what percentage of them are Omicron and the government is very, very anxious. They 
Chris Whitty and um, Patrick Valance, who are our chief medical officers, have just given a briefing to the cabinet, to the parliament, very soberly and very negatively saying that you know, we are facing a very, very difficult few weeks ahead. The prime minister was on television saying we face a tidal wave of Omicron, be in no doubt. Uh, very fearsome words for everyone to listen to. Do you think that they are unnecessarily negative or do you think they're right to be so concerned? I think they're unnecessarily uh, negative. Uh, you know, when I do projections into the future, it's not cast in stone. It's based on a scenario where everything stays the same. Uh, there are examples when things change from a projection, but then it's normally a radically different uh, scenario. So a good example would be UK uh, last December, where there were two peaks, if you can rem remember that. So there were two peaks, one peak on the 5th of December in deaths and a second peak probably in January. And that was caused by a new variant, the Alpha variant, or originally it was called the Kent uh, variant. Now that is exa an example of where growth rates could decline consistently and then suddenly go up again. But there was a specific reason for that. There was a new variant at play. So I'm saying if this is the only variant at play, the Omicron variant, it will continue to slow down as it has slowed down the last 10 days already. Well, it's slowing down and it's not slowing down in the so, UK yet. As far as I understand it, the concern is that even if it's milder, and even if it's dramatically milder, 50% milder, 75% milder. The transmissibility is such, and the doubling rate appears to be so fast, that we could be seeing such huge numbers of people who have it, that even a very, very small percentage of them needing hospital treatment would still be enough to overwhelm the NHS. That's the phrase. Yeah, but again, I think they use an unrealistically high saturation level, which there are no examples of for any variant in any country in any wave. So, you know, I've been following SAGE quite closely in all their prior predictions. They've been way over and, and they've always excused it afterwards on the basis that what they were showing was really a conditional scenario, a scenario where people do nothing. What they really should is what if UK keeps current restrictions in play, what will things look like then? Because the do-nothing scenario is not relevant for the UK anymore. And if you, if you do an honest model on that scenario, your saturation level will be significantly lower. So what you've got then almost is a combination of factors that can slow it down. So I suppose you have prior immunity, from previous waves, different variants that may have different levels of resistance. You have um, behavioral changes like you've described that whether or not they're mandated by the government, people start behaving differently as they get more concerned. And combined, are there other ones that I've missed out in terms of things that could be slowing down the spread? The part that's underestimated is how big a difference small behavioral changes make. And Sweden is a, is a classic example. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. 
United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Example, um, you know, if you, you know, the original models made the mistake by putting the do nothing scenario at the top, then followed by some harsh mitigation measures and only last some light mitigation measures. If they did it the other way around, starting with light to harsh, they would have seen the light mitigation measures gets them 80% there. So what's going to be difficult? Because we can get you back on in four weeks' time, Peter, and we can see who was right, really. I mean, the speed yeah. of this particular wave is going to make it, making judgments much easier. Your prediction, then, essentially, is that rather like what happened at the beginning of 2020, the scenarios that were purely based on mathematical models, where the growth just carries on up and up and up until pretty much everyone has it, will be shown to be overly pessimistic as usual, because the real world scenario, it peaks earlier than that. That's, exactly. that's prediction one. Yes. The second key part of your argument, as I understand it, is what percentage of cases actually turn into hospitalizations. And you're saying that both a smaller percentage than Delta, or even smaller than the first wave, will turn into hospitalizations, and those will then be shorter and less severe than the first set of hospitalizations. So that the actual pressure on the health service should be much less bad than the models predict. Yes, absolutely. As it gets more severe, the gap between Delta widens further and further. So when you look at ICU beds, the difference between Delta is much larger than compared to hospital beds. And then when you finally get to ventilated beds, you're even lower and lastly, when it comes to, to deaths, is that this wave in Gauteng, it might have a similar peak in terms of cases, but it could have 
uh, I think the number I used was 25, 25 times lower, lower deaths. Now, Let's it's a have a look at that chart. At let's, let's get that chart up so people can see that. So the yellow line is a projection for ventilated beds that I did on the 4th of December already. And uh, in my case, as I'm not a healthcare uh, specialist or professional, the only way that I can get credibility is if I do a projection that matches reality. And in the case with ventilated beds, uh, this is now almost 10 days later, uh, this projection is still doing very well. The deaths projection I only recently, recently added. Uh, but coming back to ventilated beds, I uh, expect a peak of 140, and that is six times lower than the peak during the Delta wave. You know, not 20% lower, not 30% lower, six times lower. And with deaths, um, typically we, ha we have a peak about uh, seven days after cases peaked. And as you can see, as the numbers are coming in now, uh, it's, it's pretty close to the projection. I mean, these are extremely low deaths for, for Gauteng, which during Delta, during the peak of Delta, uh, went, went up to 200 a day. Um, and because this wave is going to be much shorter, uh, the total deaths will be significantly uh, lower. Okay, so critics, estimated this. critics will say, first of all, it's more like 12 days than seven days, and therefore we may not be seeing the impact yet. Second of all, it might well carry on growing. The cases might carry on growing, despite what appears to be a flattening now, and put those effects together, and we could still get really quite a few deaths in Kaltang. Again, there's, there's no sign that cases are growing currently. You know, if it's, if it's not peaking, it's certainly flatlining. Uh, and even if we gave, uh, moved the, the peak of deaths two weeks into the future, you know, uh, with, with a peak maybe twice as high as what I've projected here, it's still not going to get anywhere close to, to Delta. And the hospital administrators in South Africa are pretty much convinced of this because they see this on the ground. We had a presentation by the CEO of Netcare uh, yesterday, and you know what they're seeing in hospitals is vastly different from what they've seen in in previous waves. They are not strained in any way. You know, I remember with the Delta waves, the doctors, the hospital started complaining long before the peak. I mean, it just started going up and hospitals were already uh, uh, concerned. Now we, we're pretty much at the peak and the hospitals have no problem. And a lot, another argument that people use, which says South Africa doesn't have a problem, but Europe might, is by saying, you know, our natural immunity levels are, are much higher than Europe, with 70% of the population having been infected before. But again, I can point out the case fatality rate for Delta in South Africa has been 3% up until late November. And now we can estimate the case fatality rate for Omicron and it's 0.42%, significantly low. And it's the same population with the same immunity, you know, uh, the population didn't change. The only thing that changed is, is the virus. Sure, it's infecting more the younger people, but that's also a function of the virus, you know, because again, you know, Delta 
uh, was running at 3% case fatality rate until late November and probably still does. So one issue we have about accurately tracking numbers for hospitalizations and deaths is this ongoing controversy about with or from COVID or Omicron. And in his big statement, Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, made on television, he said that the first person has died in a British hospital with Omicron. And this was then repeated by Sajid Javid, the health secretary in the House of Commons the next day. Everyone in the House of Commons was making long uh, statements uh, of you know, con consoling the family of the person who very sadly was deceased. And there was a real sense that Omicron has claimed its first victim. Whilst actually we don't know that, uh, and the inquiries I've made, um, although I haven't received all of the responses I would like, seem to suggest that the person in question did not die of COVID or Omicron. They died of something else uh, and they were elderly and had serious conditions. How do we avoid that being an issue going forward? Because if you're right that it's mild, but it remains very transmissible, you could have lots of people catching it in hospital which would then count as hospitalizations. And you could have lots of people who die of other things who happen to be positive with Omicron at the moment, who will then be counted as Omicron deaths. How can we see past that mist? So the, the way to see past that is to look at all-cause mortality. And we have a report that comes out every week in South Africa that looks at excess deaths. One will be coming out tomorrow. My expectation is for excess deaths to be relatively low. Uh, because of that factor that we have a higher percentage of incidental COVID deaths or COVID admissions at this at this moment. You know, up to last week, the report showed that for Tswane, which was peaking last week already, they had eight excess deaths in the preceding two weeks. Now that is negligible. You know, that is extremely small. It's statistically insignificant and several factors lower than their peak in July with the with the Delta wave. But still, it's early stages. We will have a report to tomorrow. But then the anecdotal evidence from the hospitals also confirms that. They say that a much higher percentage compared to Delta now arrive at hospital for something else, and then they test positive. With They had no inkling that they had COVID, you know, they didn't expect that. While in previous waves, by the time that people arrive at hospital, their oxygen saturation levels were already below 90%. Most of the admissions went on to oxygen. Currently, with the admissions, only a min minority uh, uh, need, need oxygen. And, the, you know, the, this has been spoken about by the head of our South African associate, uh, Medical Association, uh, Angelique Kutsia, uh, and also by the CEO of Netcare. Uh, you know, this is not individual, just individual doctors. These, these are people that are, they're getting information from all hospitals. And surprisingly, uh, I mean, the, I think the only people that remain unconvinced uh, in South Africa would be a handful of epidemiologists. And I think they also believe that Omicron is less virulent, but they, they have a very high level of, they need to be extremely certain before they would make such a claim. They, they want to be absolutely sure. You've put out an idea on social media, speculating that Omicron could be the end of the pandemic. 
that's a phrase you wrote. Mm. What did you mean by that? I think if most people experience the disease as mild and they have family members that are sick and they mostly have mild disease and they see deaths are significantly lower, uh, the sentiment will be that the pandemic is over. Obviously, I can't predict future variants. That's, that's always unpredictable. But when we look at previous pandemics, this is often how they ended. It ended with a much more transmissible variant that was much less virulent, less deadly. So based on that, uh, you know, that's why I'm cautiously optimistic. So um, this is the it, idea if, then that we've sort of been talking about all along, which is that yeah. from the virus's perspective, they would want to be in every human being in the world, not killing yes. them, because that's a yeah. maximal success point. So that's there right. tends to be a trend in virus evolution towards more transmissible but less deadly versions in order mm. to get closer to that point. So what you're saying is actually that Omicron could be part of that evolution, and it reaches a tipping point where it's closer to a flu or a cold than anything more frightening, and people just can't bring themselves to be worried about it anymore. Exactly. And one thing that would help it even further is if it replaces the uh, more deadly variants, if it replaces Delta. Now, we can't say from the South African data that it replaces Delta. It looks like it replaced Delta, but what people often mistake, uh, the mistake they may make is that Delta was pretty much gone in South Africa by November. So we hardly had any Delta cases. So to replace Delta is no big feat for, for the virus. So we'll have to look at European data to see, does it, does it replace Delta? Does it outcompete Delta? And that's, that's important. So in a way, Mother Nature, if we just allow ourselves to be a bit more poetic in the conclusion, <laughs> Mother Nature could actually overcome all of these divisions and this furore that has gripped us for the past two years. Because if, whether it's Omicron or a subsequent variant, uh, it, COVID becomes something that's so transmissible that vaccines are not especially relevant, so that everybody gets it, and it's really mild so nobody's worrying about it, at that stage you can't divide society with vaccine passports and mandates and because it just wouldn't be feasible. So in a sense, the natural evolution of things might defeat this very hot-headed and unhappy period we've had without it being something that we need to win as a battle in either direction, because nature will do it for us. Exactly. I mean, uh, we have been around for millions of years, and uh, we should have respect for our immune systems. It didn't come out of nowhere, uh, it, you know, and... We have been through many pandemics in the past before. So sure, modern technology could potentially save, save lives, but you know the slogan that the vaccine is the only way out of it is, is not correct. You know, how did we get through it before modern medicine? Um, and yeah, so this is a nat natural course, and we have evolved as a species to beat viruses in this way. Peter Stryker, thank you so much. Thank you, Freddie. That was Peter Stryker joining us from South Africa. He has been paying close attention to all of the numbers of this latest Omicron variant. 
and he takes a bit more of a sanguine view than certainly the British government and certainly some European governments about exactly what's going to happen. Clearly, we are at the beginning of a big Omicron surge in cases. I don't think anyone is going to deny that. But exactly how that translates into hospitalizations, into deaths, and exactly how worried about it we should be, we will find out very soon. So let's revisit that when we know more. Thanks to him, and thanks for joining. This was Unheard. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.